live from Estopan All In. It's the Bamos Morados Podcast. Powered by the state of Louisville. Welcome to the latest episode of the Vamos Morados podcast. My name is Benton. You can find me on Twitter at Purple SDF. And Zach is uh, not joining me today. Uh, we had somebody tag in for him. You guys know him as Florida Lee FC. He's been doing a lot of writing for Racing Louisville and doing, doing an outstanding job. And I figured I'd bring him on the podcast. So I want to welcome Mr. Michael Shaw. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So we're going to talk about, we had a pretty pretty fun weekend here in Louisville on the soccer scene, didn't we? Yeah, we'll take uh, six points for any weekend with two games. Uh, fantastic results. Absolutely. And it's kind of fun that it was the same city for, for both matches. So Louisville yeah, City was, beat out Kansas City. That, that's Louisville right. Louisville beat and, out Kansas City. Yeah, and I, had, uh, I contacted a, a guy on uh, Twitter to help me with my uh, Know Your Folk column for uh, the racing matchup with Kansas City, and he actually drove to town to see both games. Oh, so really? So he went home super disappointed with <laughs> uh, two, two lopsided losses. Well, but, he, got to see uh, yeah. a, he got to see a pretty stadium. I mean, they got a nice one over there, too, so it's not like yeah, yeah. stuck somewhere bad. So, all right, man, you want to jump right into this thing? Let's talk about it. We got, I think we got a lot to, lot to dig into, a lot of positives to dig into. We're going yeah. to start off. We'll go chronological order. We'll talk about Louisville City, who took on Sporting Kansas City, too, and formerly Swope Park Rangers. And I will probably bring this up every time they come up. I'm really disappointed in that name change. But I don't know, corporate branding or whatever. They're, they're the afterthought of their organization, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But um, regardless of the name, we always seem to have a lot of fun against Sporting Kansas City. We, it's a match a matchup we usually went out against. I always think back to the last home match in Slugger Stadium where we beat them eight to three. We were down three nothing at one point. It was just a wild, wild match. Oh, I remember that match very vividly because at three to nothing, I was ready to walk out. In fact, I was on my way out and then they scored and then they scored again. And then I walked back to my seats and saw them score six more. <laughs> <laughs> that was a close call. Yeah, it really stuck was. it out. Yeah, I remember. I know that, was a, that was a that was a real weird one, but it was it was a unique way to to close out the the time in Slugger. But yeah, yeah. but anyways, and I mean, we won our first championship against them, so we just have a lot of history against this pretty honestly pretty random team. So I always kind of look forward to them because it always ends up being a good time, right. as was yep. this one. So. Um, the lineup, uh, we saw a lot of, we continue to see a lot of changes, which the team, which I think is good. I mean, we're hitting with the midway point of the season. You got to rest guys and get other guys opportunities. And we have such a deep bench that like any rotations, like you don't really panic too much about or get too worried about. Uh, I think, you know, Pat McMahon, Jogo, Paulo and Brian Ombi all returned to the starting level. They, they didn't start the, the last match, but, and Parker Siegfried also got another start and goal, which I guess, First, first few times I saw him, I just kind of thought it was rotation. But I'm kind of starting to think now he might have, might have taken the upper edge in any sort of goalkeeper battle. But I mean, you want that kind of competition in your squad, right? Yeah, and is it is that three in a row starts for him? If I'm remembering correctly, I can't that, remember. It's uh, at least two. You might be right there. Okay. That might have been third, his third straight. But because um, I know he had, he's done it both times at at KC, and I think one other time as well. I don't know, yeah. I have trouble keeping all the soccer in my head, but yeah, it's, he's, he's been getting a lot more action. So I'm starting to think it's more than just simple. Like, Hey, let's give him a few minutes. Yeah. It's, but. it's interesting um, because I, I, I jotted down a note. Um, really a question is, is maybe to you is, is do you feel like we have the long-term keeper on the squad because there has been so much rotation. It's a legitimate question, I think. Yeah. So, um, how I look at it is, well, we know the the quality that that Chris Hubbard can bring, whether he's playing his A game or not. I'll, I'll leave that to others to judge because it's been pretty open that I don't feel like I'm the best judge of a goalkeeper. But we know what he he can do. I mean, he can't he can't do enough of a job to keep us right at the top where we belong. What I'm pretty curious about is not only Parker, but uh, Simon as well. Two young guys that I think have pretty, pretty high ceilings. And if we can keep them and continue to to develop them i mean 
they, they could be really outstanding players as well. So it's our, is so to answer your question, do we, do I think we have a long-term keeper? Yes. I think somewhere in that mix, um, you know, may, you know, maybe it's Chris Hubbard or, or, or maybe Parker Simon kind of wins out that spot, but I think that's going to be a longer, longer play to see. We haven't even seen Simon yet at all. He's huge. He's yeah. Like I thought six, I don't remember. Six, yeah. He's, He's what six eight or six eleven or just he's just something absurdly tall. It's not a small <laughs> yeah. human. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he can he can work his way in. You know, maybe once they clinch a seed or uh, or, or that. But we'll talk about that later. Kind of what their long term goals are for the season. Yeah, usually uh, yeah, that's that's where the the U.S. Cup would kind of come into play. But yeah, we don't we don't get that. So and right. it's it's a shame. You know, that was uh, one of my favorite competitions is the U.S. Cup, and it, I guess they were only officially canceled it like last week or a couple of weeks ago. That was a bit disappointing. It's such an afterthought with us soccer. It's really annoying. I, and I, the US South thinks kind of toyed with the notion of having their own sort of cup. I think that was one of the things that were, had been recently came out in the news about as one of many changes they're talking about. And I hope something like that does happen. Cause I like those extra competitions as well, but uh, us soccer goodness. Okay. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and talk about the good stuff. So, uh, Louisville City match. It was, to me at least, it, very early on, Louisville City took control of the match and really never, never let go of it. Unfortunately, for a lot of the first half, is a lot of what we've seen in the past this season is like they're in the driver's seat, but they're not, they're not converting all that opportunity and that possession into into goals. They're getting some cracks at goal, but like, I, I don't know. It's almost like, I don't want to say a lack of urgency. But just you almost feel like there's another gear that could be hitting there. Do you do you get that sense, or am I just kind of like overreading things? No, I, I I get that sense as well. It seems like they're they're happy to control the ball and you know win the possession battle early, knowing that the goals will come. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's not necessarily a bad plan uh, because that yeah. seems to has, have worked so far. Um, you know, one of the things uh, early that I noticed is Lancaster had a couple of opportunities on set pieces. And I'm just honestly amazed at how good he is at taking those, those set pieces and free kicks, because you'll Mm -hmm. see, you know, players in higher leagues, you know, and in Europe that aren't nearly as good and don't cause, you know, nearly as many problems as he almost consistently does when he takes a set piece. So, you know, that's one of the things I've been impressed with Lancaster. So he, not that he should have scored on either of those, but they definitely made the, the keeper work on both of them. Yeah, I think it was near the 10-minute mark. Yeah, he had won this free kicks from right side. He went straight to, to goal at that. I mean, he's been known to make them. He's, he yep. did. I know. I, I can specifically remember one from, from last season against Kansas City here at home where he, he scored one. But, uh, yeah, he's real dangerous. And, and you brought the set piece thing. Like, there were so many corner kicks, <laughs> particularly <laughs> yeah, in, that, in that first half. I think the, the end total at the end of the game was 19, but I swear it was probably 19 in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> I, I want to say for sure they had 11 because I think the uh, the TV announcers said 11 at some point in the first half. And I'm like, yeah, that seems about right. Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. But, you know, talking about the other thing i don't know maybe i guess i'm just impatient against these teams that i kind of view as weaker teams and, and kind of want them to be a little bit more bloodthirsty but i mean the goal did come in the first half thankfully it was the what 37th minute corbin bone drove it towards the uh towards the end line and crossed it over to uh jorge uh gonzalez who netted, I think it's his second goal for, for Louisville City and just seeing his reaction afterwards. I mean, he was just as ecstatic about that one as the first one. And I, just, I don't, I just, I just love seeing that kind of passion. Yeah. And I thought what was interesting about that goal was how they continued. Uh, it was really a secondary attack because um, the first attack kind of didn't work, but they, you know, stayed pressed high, you know, stayed up the field, uh, you know, retained possession and just went right back into attack. And I think Bone did an excellent job of staying, of kind of holding his run that close to the end line to stay on side. Mm-hmm. Although he probably was played on side by somebody at the back post I saw when they scored the goal. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, really good job to, because that's, that's one you see all the time where the ball comes back and then the, the, the attacking player is not, you know, too lazy to get back on side. But they did a really good job of, of making sure he was on side to, to start the attack. So he was, yeah. uh, I thought I was really impressed with that goal. I think it showed a lot of, uh, 
lot of focus on on the attack to to be able to score from a you know a second a second chance opportunity. Yeah, it was him and him and Paulo, and yeah, I guess they're exhibiting a lot of you know a lot of patience to get into, um, into the right position there. And uh, I don't I don't think we often we talk about how often how how good Corbin Bone is and how much he's he's brought to this team. I I have a deep appreciation for these these midfielders that that do a lot of work that's not necessarily always captured in the stat sheet. And I think he's one of those guys. He definitely does get stats that do get recognized, but I think he does a lot of little things right as well. Like people like Cam and Tyler Gibson. I'm just thankful we have players of that caliber. Yeah. And like you said, and, and you can rotate some of those guys in and out and not lose a whole lot in midfield. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was towards the end. So we got to go in the halftime up well, one, nothing second half kicks off. Uh, you know, it was about, 10, 15 minutes in. Now McCabe came in the match. He took off uh, Corbin Bone. Um, but then it was a few minutes later is when Kansas City's goal happened. And I want to talk about this. And I have and I said this online. I often try to not talk about the officiating because my kind of stance on that is, is that you're going to get calls for you. You're going to get calls against you. And, you know, in the long run, it levels out. Like you, you just want to be in a position where the referee can't dictate the match. But that whole sequence where they scored was just questionable to me. So it started with a tussle with uh, Jorge Gonzalez and a defender um, on the Sporting Kansas City half where Jorge went down. I went back and looked at the pictures after the match, and there's a picture of the KC guy just totally wrapping his arms around Jorge and knocking him over. So potentially foul there. Um, but so Jorge's on the ground, the defender gets the ball and passes it upfield. And I tried to rewatch this a couple times online and the camera doesn't quite fully capture it, but from what you can see, like as it's panning over and you're seeing the action, it's, it's hard to imagine a situation where that the player is not offsides when he's getting that ball and then makes that eventual breakaway to get that goal. Again, it doesn't explicitly show, you know, where he was when that ball was passed, but it's close. It, it does get there enough time where you can make a pretty reasonable judgment. And it's just, I, I don't know about that. That one was, that one was particularly frustrating. What was your take on that toll? Well, you know, it, it, it was interesting that I think uh, I, I would agree with you on the contact. I, I think the funny thing is, is, um, is that when Gonzalez went down, uh, there wasn't any contact on that particular part. They probably should have blown it dead a half a second earlier or a second earlier. Oh yeah. He went, uh, he went down after the contact. Yeah. You're, you're right. right. So, um, so, but you know, he was, he was given as good as he got there. So I wasn't too concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I was watching on TV, so I couldn't tell the offside. Um, so at um, the racing games, I sit just about at midfield and know that the officials um, get some of those calls uh, wrong. So I'm assuming that they'll get calls wrong at the yeah. uh, Louisville City games as, as as well. But you know, again, that's a hard call to make. Um, you know, you're going to miss some of those as an official. But um, you know, I, I was going to bring this up at, at one point, but maybe we can talk about it here. A- at some point during the season, I have a feeling that Louisville is going to have to win a match and probably a pretty important one, one nil. And these kind of lapses in concentration kind of make you wonder, um, you know, can they do that? Can they win a, can they win a game one nil when they, when they need to, because, you know, we're, you know, again, I think it's part of the attack. Uh, I think Joe go was pressing upfield. I think he was in the attacking half yeah. for that. You know, you're up, you're up a goal uh, and you still need to you know, need to be in the attack, but you kind of lose your shape at the back. And, you know, we saw that with how quickly, you know, Casey was, re- was able to counterattack on that is that they didn't hold their defensive shape. Yeah. You know, we, maybe I mean, they were off, yeah, and maybe they yeah. were offside, but, you know, it's just that little bit more discipline that I would like to see in them and maybe show a little bit more, I don't know what the right word is, but a, a little bit more desire, I guess, to, to, to keep a clean sheet because at some point you're going to have to win one, one nil, I think. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're totally right. You know, teams like Tampa Bay, they're not going to let you win four to four to one, like we can do to Kansas city. So if there's a team, you can like, let something like that go it's now, but later when it's important, you're, you're, you're completely spot on. And, 
and to your point like yeah i mean we were very much i guess kind of caught off guard to that that whole sequence and again i mean the more i think about it you know more i come back to that level-headed reasoning it's like we just can't be in the position in the first place where the referees call like or right. miss call screws us but i mean the, the compounding thing of those two two potential things there i mean they might have i mean no calls on both of them could could have been right i mean it right. could but I don't know. I guess this is the compounding of them that had me a little bit frustrated and a little more vocal about that than I normally otherwise would have been. But the silver lining to this is that after Kansas City scored, I feel like the team, something happened with them. Like there was some sort of spark. It kind of they they finally found that that final gear that they needed because I thought that they were they were looking a lot sharper after that. And and it certainly reflected so on the score line. Yeah, yeah. They it definitely seems like that against some of the teams, some of the weaker competition, they can kick into that extra gear and put a team away, which, you know, is, is a good extra gear to have. It's just, will that extra gear be enough against some of the better competition? But no, I think they found that that extra gear and definitely, uh, you know, put them away. At 1-1, I wasn't super concerned because I knew that they would continue to have the majority of the possession and have more opportunities. Yeah. And what was it? A, a couple of minutes, it seemed like it might have been five or six or ten, but it just seemed like a couple of minutes that they were, you know, up to 2-1 and then 3-1 right after that. Yeah, it wasn't long. I think Kansas City scored in the 68th minute, then at the 71st, uh, Jogo took a corner kick and it was perfectly headed in Brian Bynumby. I mean, pretty pretty standard play and I'm, I'm glad to see the uh the great execution on it i was happy for brian Ombi, who's had a pretty great season particularly against uh sporting kansas city that's those are two of the matches where he was doing really stellar and then let alone here as well so i'm really happy for him it's yeah i think Ombi's i think Ombi's play this year has been um really good and um I was trying to go back and find some statistics for this, but um, it, it just seemed to me like last year, I don't know, it, like things just wouldn't quite break his way uh, when he was in the match. It seemed like he had some bad luck. And again, I may just be misremembering, but yeah, I think he had one goal last year. Uh, he came in off the subs bench, maybe more than he's done this year, but you know, definitely has, has played well this year. I, I thought I've, not that he necessarily had to improve a whole lot, but I think his performances this year have been an improvement over what I remember of last year's performances. So I've been really impressed with how Ombi has played. And if he, you know, if he keeps it up, you know, that's, that's, you know, a, a positive for the team, because I think they, um, they, they're going to need him um, to continue to play well, to, you know, continue to uh, progress throughout the season, you know, especially when they get into playoffs, I think he's a guy that you're going to, you're going to want in there. Yeah, so playoff Ombi is a thing. But I mean, you're spot on. I think his his last season was a little bit quieter for him, and he was used a little bit more off the bench. But uh, but when he's on, he's on, and he's on right now, and we'll, we'll take it. And I just hope he keeps that up. So happy he got the score. So that put us up two to one. And then even again, a few minutes after that, the 75th minute, it was Jorge who sent a long aerial crossover to Ombi, who headed it, but he like headed it down, and then the, on the on the rebounding bounce back up ball. Cameron Lancaster is there to head it in. Um, you know, I'm watching. I'm watching the the Jeff here on, on loop because I want to take a look at specifically the defending on it. I mean, the, I mean their defender is behind behind Cameron Lancaster. I don't know. She's kind of out of position. That's the thing you get with these these two teams. I'm sure there's a bunch of individual talent there, but they're all young, and they're all and they haven't played together nearly as long as a lot of the guys on on this team. And it's those kind of things that you can exploit in those little moments. Yeah, and that's something maybe we'll come back to with racing. But yeah, on some of those set pieces, knowing where your teammates are going to be are super important. And if you haven't played together a whole lot, it's tough tough to know that. But I will mm -hmm. say that anytime somebody heads one down in the box and it starts to bounce, that's trouble for the defense. Uh, you hate to defend against those. Yeah, but just like wa I, just watching the position of the the center backs, you know, there's probably a case to be made they could have done have done better there, but. I mean, if, if that ball, if there's a loose ball like that, Cameron's going to find it. Right. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a hard person to stop from scoring on that one anyway, to, to their credit. So, um, and then we had the last goal, which we had two pretty hilarious goals this weekend. This one, I think might be a, a little bit funnier, just kind of how it played out. So 
you know, it was late in the match. We're already up three, one, but the team's still keeping the foot on the grass, which on the gas, which I appreciate. And, you know, they kind of get on, they, I, I forget how they got the ball, but they get on a breakaway long pass to, uh, to Hopino, who dishes it over to Jimmy McLaughlin. He's one-on-one with the keeper. The keeper's off his line. He shoots, he kicks it. He does a great shot around the keeper, but the defender is retreating back to get in front of goal. And I don't think he completely sees where the ball is and it hits him right in the feet and takes him out, but still has enough momentum to roll into the net. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, I didn't, I didn't completely wreck it, realize that the ball took him out. Like when it was live, I thought he was kind of sliding or going down for it, but watching the replays of it, like it definitely took him down. (laughs) And I think that's hilarious. Yep. Uh, that's, uh, you hate, you hate to see that, but, uh, but it, it happens, uh, you know, it's just, and I, I wrote that, I wrote a note down, I called that one a cheapy in my, uh, <laughs> in my, in my notes, but they all count the same. So yep. some are beautiful and some are not, but they all count as one goal. Yeah. It was pretty ugly. And for watching it live, like if the, it took forever for that ball to roll across the line. I oh, didn't yeah. think it was going to for a minute. And for a while, like when we were cheering, I was questioning, like, I thought hoping it might've gotten credit for it. Like, because he ran in there late and might've had that last oomph on it. But uh, I don't know. It was just a, f- a funny goal again. Not that, not the prettiest, but uh, you know, put us up four to one. And I, you know, again, I'm all about that big fan. <laughs> I won a big thumping win. I'm still waiting for a match where we, we get five plus. It's got to happen sometime. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, at some point. Yeah. I just, I you still go back to that eight, three, uh, that I almost walked out of that was, that one was a, <laughs> was a blast. It was like 11 goals. Like you can't beat that. But, I want uh, something like that only where we concede less. Yeah. Like yes. eight, nothing, eight, one. But, yeah. um, so the stats for this match, um, I mean, pretty standard Louisville city stuff, about 60% possession. They got off 19 shots. We talked about the crosses, 19 of them, and the keep the symmetry with all the 19s we're talking about. 19 chances created. Uh, their passing yeah. was at, what, 79%, which that's about where they hover, low 80s, high 70s. So, I mean, just all around pretty pretty stellar match for, for the whole team. I mean, everybody was kind of getting on the action, producing. Um, I don't know if you saw my write-up. I got a screenshot from the USL site. It shows where the average positions of the players were, like on the pitch. And it's all squished yeah. on, on Kansas City side. All the Kansas City <laughs> yeah. players were on their side. And all of our guys, even our defenders, were up like a midway line, if not their half. And it's just yeah. kind of really telling. <laughs> yeah, I love those heat maps. Those are, are uh, those are really fun. Uh, I wish, um, wish they had those for the NWSL. I have not I know, seen right? any for those. But, uh, yeah, I love those heat maps. Um, Almost all of the uh, major European leagues, you can find a heat map for just about every match. But yeah, those are great. Yeah. So we, I mean, we were just, to- I mean, you could see it on the pitch too. I didn't need that visual, to, but it just yeah. fun to see it. So it's just all around. I mean, no, the team wasn't perfect, but they're, I mean, their pros definitely outweighed their cons and they're just, it's about stringing together wins. And particularly if we're going to look at the bigger picture and talking about winning out in the regular season, I mean, we're right there in it. We got to keep winning and we got to hope that some, uh, some of the opposition in the West starts to drop a few points if we rack it up. But these are, I mean, again, let's, let's build up that goal differential against the t- uh, sporting Kansas city types. Yep. I, I was uh, looking at goal differential today. I think Phoenix still has a pretty good, pretty hefty goal yeah. differential and they're leading there. They're like uh, what, 25 or something like that. I'm yeah. Something right ridiculous. Now. It seems like they're 25. Yeah. Just, yeah, they're just destroying their their opponents. So, you know, that's that's one team to keep an eye on to to think. You know, if you know, you would probably you know see them in the last match. But uh, yeah. I think that's how they're still doing the East West things during the playoffs. But yeah, uh, yeah, that would be the, the team that I would probably be most uh, frightened of out west. But you know, I, I think I looked and saw that El Paso was kind of stingy on defense too. So you know, definitely the top two, yeah, uh, the two division leaders. They look. Scary from a uh, from a statistics perspective. Yeah, I mean they're both they're both good teams. My my gripe about Phoenix, which again I'm sure Phoenix is is everything they're built to be, but there's just some trash in their division. I mean Oakland Roots has six points. The um the um Las Vegas Lights, they're trash. LA Galaxy too. I mean, yeah, we do have Sporting KC and like Memphis, but like I don't know. I just yeah. I, I want to play them because I because I, I'm just I'm confident in the team and I hate these theoretical debates like let's just fast right, forward right. to that point. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, I mean 
we, I mean, we're still very much in the conversation for, for winning it, but we, we are going to have to rely a little bit on, on Phoenix and El Paso dropping some points. So we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. Yeah. And that's uh, an interesting, that's an interesting thing to think about is, you know, is the overall best record, you know, in, a, in the league, is that, is that a goal, a stated goal for, for Louisville city or is it get into the playoffs with the one seed uh, they talked a little bit on the on the broadcast that when you have you know pretty much you've guaranteed your playoff position. I think they said that Louisville maybe statistically could lose five matches in a row or something ridiculous and still be in in mm-hmm. playoff position. Like what do you what do you do with these matches? You know, it's it's about getting points, but you know what's what's your end of regular season goal? Because we know what the end of season goal is, but what is yeah. your end of regular season goal? So the thing about I love about Louisville City is that their goal is always to be the absolute best. And they want, I think they want to win out on the, um, for the, you know, the whole thing, win the regular season. I mean, they're pretty much, uh, you know, like you said, essentially a lock on there. I think 538 has them over like 99% chance. I think it'd have to be some absurd scenario where we lose every match and then other teams start winning matches they shouldn't. Something bizarre like that for them to miss out. So, they're basically in there. I mean, obviously, we, let's get that lock up that home field, not only throughout the playoffs, you know, for the finals as well. Let's bring in that extra silverware that comes with winning the regular season. Let's, let's bring it all. I, let's make Brad have to have to add on to the stadium for somewhere to put all the trophies. <laughs> That's right. You want to have a have a huge huge trophy case. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's uh, you know, it's 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 cool to be able to kind of go into the the teams uh the team shop and see the trophies in there i love um, it yeah i love being able to kind of see them and be be reminded of kind of what what your end goal is you know you get to see those the fans get to see them quite a bit yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of them having a public display like that but yeah like let's get some new um silverware in there i mean we, we've won the the championship before and i certainly want to do it again but we haven't won the regular season yet so i'd like to add that to our to our kill count yeah that's that's an interesting thing too because it's almost two separate competitions it's one thing to win a league and it's one thing to win a knockout competition mm-hmm. um they're really two different things and you know if you look at some of the other leagues across um across europe they're you know especially well just for the sake of argument say that the premier league is probably the most competitive league mm-hmm. historically and there's just not a whole lot of doubles historically in that league up there it doesn't happen very often a lot of the team that wins the um the team that wins the league very rarely wins the fa cup you know they'll win a league cup or whatever but you know there aren't too many d- doubles so it's hard to be kind of the both the best in a yeah. league format and the best in a knockout format it's a difficult thing to do yeah i mean yeah i i kind of like the the american sub i think a few months ago i was arguing somebody online about this i like how we have there's a regular season championship and the playoffs thing i think that's probably to me one of the best americanizations of the sport again it's it's hard it's hard to do both my toronto team in 2017 they did the treble because they also won the canadian championship but like let's be honest there's like four teams competing for that one right so it doesn't count but i'm counting it because i'm a fan but yeah i I mean yeah, I remember that argument, and I'm sure you were arguing with me because I, that's the thing I dislike <laughs> about it. So. No, there were other fine. people that disagreed with me, too. <laughs> I think I was, I was in, the, in the minority on that one. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know it's, it's, it's a, I think it's a kind of a good difference, but it's what it is. It's the system we got. What, what makes me mad about the USL, though, is that, like, if the West wins it, they're like, well, what are we going to do? Like, I mean, they're playing a bunch of crappy teams out there. Like, we don't if it would be different if there's more cross play we're starting to get that and i think we'll see yeah. more of it in the future but i get i get the reasons why i mean there's just the money's got to build in the league yeah and it, it's spot. tough you know and it's tough to say you know it, it's funny to say you know best record if it's in the west you can always discount it but if it's in the east then it actually means something you know because of the strength of the teams but you know whenever you have an unbalanced schedule you have to have a playoff so you can set, settle it on the field i understand yeah. completely that's why they're there yeah yeah so i mean we got our crappy teams here in the east too i'm just showing a tremendous yeah. amount of bias not like there's any phoenix fans listening to me so um <laughs> before we move on i do want to say um one of my one of the cool have you seen that i shared this picture connor cunningham took this really cool shot of now mccabe at the corner later in the match when the black hit, the lights are, lights are on the stadium. He's just kind of like looking out and checking it out. 
I don't know, but I for some reason that one really just captured my imagination. It's probably one of my favorite Louisville City picks that I've seen. Oh, I, I didn't see that, but it did remind me of one thing I didn't write down, but I definitely want to talk about, and maybe you'll know the answer to this, but why do we wear our third kit at home? That drives me absolutely insane. Um, I want them to wear the home kit at home, so maybe I, there's a reason behind it. I agree with you, and I don't know why they did it this time, but I know last year explicitly it came down to superstition. I think at one point uh, – they weren't doing so hot and they were in the home kit at home. And then they switched up and wore the third kit and then they won. So coach Hackworth got a little superstitious. And so they wore it like a lot. Like I like that third kit, but it kind of got annoying because I wanted to see the purple. So <laughs> Yeah. I, I remember that last year because I think it's the first time I'd ever bought a loose city kit and I bought the purple kit and they never wore it. I know uh, that's, that's thanks. So, but it, anyway, it's just, you know, third kits are for, cups and you know road occasionally but that's just a traditionalist in me yeah i mean at least they're not like spamming it like they did last year like once in a while yeah. i can get over but you know it's, we're all about our purple around here that's right so um next up on the docket for louisville city i believe is the energy and i'm going to confirm that should have did that earlier no it's tulsa excuse me tulsa, yeah so i thought it was i thought it was tulsa well, somewhere in oklahoma that yeah, is close some, wrong wrong western team so Tulsa, let's take a look at the table here. Where are they? Okay, so they're actually doing pretty uh, pretty solid. They're third in our table right now. It's a spot I would have expected Indy to occupy, but they're uh, they're a ginormous fire right now. So Tulsa's got yeah, 22 I... points, 16 matches played. I mean, they have beat us before, and they've put us – I mean, it should be a good matchup. It's just That's probably an opponent we don't want to give this kind of opportunities to. We, we might have given, you know, Kansas City. Can't make those uh, – there's that you know there's defensive lapses because they're I've, I've dubbed them the team for the neutrals they score a lot and they have a, yep. a, a porous defense so it could be another high scoring affair yeah that's what i was going to uh, mention if, if, I, if i was remembering tulsa correctly it was like yeah it seems like it's you know all gas no break on uh, on them which yep. is like i said it's fun if you're a neutral watching the match but uh but yeah it's like one where you uh you know, expect, expect goals, you know, of course, watch it be a nil nil draw. Now that I say that my, uh, <laughs> my uh, history at predictions is frankly terrible and I'll uh, be happy to keep it that way. Yeah, <laughs> so maybe I'll I, predict nil nil. <laughs> I, I'm going to expect a, a shootout here, but I hope hopefully all the shootings on our, on our side and, yeah. and the other ones playing, playing a lot of defense, but it'll be a, it'd be quite a different match than the, the Kansas city one. So let's see if the guys can keep uh, stringing together wins. That's yep. all about all I got to say on them. So you want to move on? You want to talk a little bit about racing? Yeah, that's uh, where my focus is for the uh, for the most part. But I didn't take any notes. So we'll see if I can do this from memory. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I guess we'll start off. We'll talk about the uh, the first half. And really, I think a lot of my commentary is, is probably about some of the play and the match as a whole is that I thought the team played well but you could certainly see opportunities in their play enough opportunities that a stronger team could probably exploit them. But thankfully this is a weaker side and we didn't get punished as much as we might've otherwise. Is, yeah, is that I fair? Would, yeah, I would agree a hundred percent with that. Um, and I think I wrote into my post after the match is I, I couldn't really tell what was really the driving force in the match was, was it how well racing played or other than just a few glimpses of it how poorly KC played because I was really kind of disappointed in the effort that that they gave uh was really and really surprised too because I think if you looked at some of the forward-looking metrics which you know I'm not a huge fan of but if you look at some of those forward-looking metrics they had played well I guess some good competition recently but for some reason looked like they just weren't in it in the game at all uh, like I said, other than just a few flashes yesterday. So yeah, tough to, tough to gauge a performance. You always take a win, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to say how much of it was racing and how much of it was just the, was the opponent. Kansas yeah, City. I mean, uh, yeah, on paper, I thought it looked, looks, I mean, they looked pretty comparable, but I, yeah, I agree. I mean, we probably should have been more the, the, uh, the aggressor. I mean, at the end of the day, we did have a little bit more possession, although it was, it was fairly marginal. Um, we were about equal on shots. The one thing that made me sad was the passing success. It just 75%, like it's just 
still not great. You could see out in the field, there are these moments, like if they were able to string together a few more passes, you know, if that 75 was a, was a few points higher, closer to 80, like imagine the, some of the positions that they could have been in. Well, and not to jump ahead a whole lot, but when the passing is good, you see what results, you know, the first goal was a tremendous passing move. Uh, I think I saw on Twitter or maybe somebody commented that they thought that was the best team move of the season. Uh, I still prefer the one against um, against Orlando because it came from a defensive recovery. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, a very very good um, very good passing move. Um, you know, really impressive. You know the the uh, you know every pass in that move seemed to be spot on. Um, you know, something that you hope you can do more during a match because those goals are beautiful and they're effective. You know, they yeah. tear the uh, tear the defense apart. Yeah, it was uh, Savannah addition over to Ebony who, who who slotted it in. I, the more I watch, the more I appreciate Savannah. She's not necessarily scoring the goals. I mean, she's getting some shots off and stuff. But I think she, I feel like she does a lot of little things right. And I don't, I don't know if you you agree or disagree. I feel like she's the kind of player where she might not always get the full respect that she deserves. Yeah, it's yeah, and and. Frankly, I'll be honest. Probably, I don't respect her as much as as, um, <laughs> as I probably should have in, in the past because I, um, you know, just kind of going through my mind. You know, last couple matches has seen Laura Malay lose her position, although she's, you know, and they're and they're both kind of natural attacking players. Mm. And it's like, huh, you know, McCaskill's last couple outings is like what I would rather see, you know, Malay in there, and then McCaskill comes out in this game and and gives uh, maybe I'm overstating this but i'll stand by it I, I think the best performance we've seen so far in a racing uniform was her performance on on sunday yeah. i don't have any statistics to back me up because her passing percentage was somewhere in the 60s yeah. but uh but just kind of um like her effective passes yeah um I, you know the ones the ones that counted and you know just you know up three to one at the very end and just throwing your body on the ground to block a shot you know those type of things that you get from her that aren't necessarily going to show up in the stat sheet you know, there's, it's going to show up as a, as a block, but it's not going to show up, you know, as, you know, through your body, you know, in front of a ball and, you know, yeah, could no, have exactly. prevented, prevented a goal. Yeah. But yeah, I was super impressed with her. Um, the thing with her though, is she plays so hard every match that I think her form is kind of going to just naturally dip because I don't know that you can play as hard as she does in every match and, you know, play well in yeah. every match. Yeah, that's that's fair, and I'm sure there's going to be some rotation coming into play. But again, like, yeah, she does a lot of stuff that doesn't make the stat sheet. One thing I just thought of before is that she, I, she was very vocal in that match, like with her teammates. Like, I could hear, I could like distinctly hear her yelling and calling directions. And you just love to see that kind of leadership. I mean, she's only a couple years older than a lot of the other girls on our team, but she's still probably what one of the, I guess, one of the relatively older players on the team has a little bit more experience than some of these other um, other gals out there. So you just love to see that leadership that's stepping up and trying to take a man. She's just so passionate about what she does. So, Yeah, and, and that's a funny thing that you mentioned uh, talking um, because I, I think, you know, unless you're close or, or, or you play even pickup, just the amount of talking that goes on during a match and how effective it is, and you're right, getting young players to talk to each other seems like an easy thing to do, but it's not always an easy thing to do. I mean, the older players know the advantage of communication on the field, uh, but sometimes it takes somebody like Savannah to be that vocal leader and say, do this, you know, call, call for the ball or, or, or point out something. So, you know, communication, you know, verbally is a big, big part of the, of the game. So I, I'm happy when any player steps up and does it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I always somehow figure out a way to work in commentary on my old man soccer league, but it's one of those things that I actually started playing is that, that, that the communication piece, which like it's one of the things you kind of get like, Oh, that's important. But then when you're playing, you're like, Oh, that's important. Like that's something if we could like my, my, my team could do better than we could. I mean, we could probably be holistically a, a lot better and, and string some more things together. So yeah, know, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned old man soccer league. You're, in you've come played in my old man, oldish man soccer league some too. And and the guys that you've played with for years, it's just so much easier to naturally communicate with them. So you imagine a team, it. yeah, and, and imagine a team that's been together, you know, eight months or less. 
they just aren't good at it yet. It would be mm. unusual if they were good at it yet, you know, and I wonder if some of the teams that have been together a little bit longer, maybe that's just one of the things that is a little bit intangible or that you can't see that maybe they do better than racing at this point, but it's good to see, you know, that, that picking up, uh, you know, you know, on the, on the field, you know, I'd like to see more of it because there's sometimes yeah. the fields seem silent and I'm like, well, why aren't they talking to each other? I know sometimes they're out of breath, uh, <laughs> or, or, or running and it's hard. It's hard to be talking when you're running at full speed, but, uh, um, I do yeah, a lot I'm, of talking on the field, but I'm never running at full speed. So that's the, uh, that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the thing with the racing is like, your telly ride just takes a long time to get those connections. Like on the totally opposite side of the ball, Louisville city, like we've had a solid core for several years now. And that's a luxury. A lot of other USL teams haven't had. And I mean, we take full advantage of that and, and racing will eventually get there, but it's just, it's just the time thing, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure they work on it in practice, but again, just time more gameplay and that experience and communication will come. Yep. I agree. And that de- you definitely see it there with Lou city is like, you know, those guys have played together for forever and it's easy to integrate new players when you've got a core that have played together. Yep. Yep. They get them up to speed faster. So, all right. Well, we kind of inadvertently talked about um, Ebony's first goal. Um, and I thought we were going to go in the halftime with the lead, but, uh, but disaster struck. Um, it was what, like an angled shot. And I got to give props to Michelle Betos in this. Cause that first shot, like, I mean, against another keeper probably went when it would have went in, but she made an outstanding diving save and just slapped it away. One handed. Unfortunately, the, the rebound fell right to, uh, to another attacker who's able to put it in buyer. Not much she could have done about that second opportunity, but just yeah. <laughs> frustrating. Cause I wasn't, it wasn't there. Was that when there was the, uh, but Gemma got injured and then they added like a ton of extra time or am I thinking later in the match? No, no, you're right. They, uh, they added five minutes of extra time before Gemma got hurt. And I think in the second minute of extra time is when she got her cut. Okay. And so then it's kind of hard to gauge how much more extra time they're going to add in. Cause you're, in, yeah. you're adding extra time in extra time. Um, and that turned out to be, you know, virtually the last kick of the half which is just super disappointing yeah but it it, it honestly was a combination of a couple of things is like casey played played a really clever um free kick because you're because especially on those kind of late in the half um free kicks you don't know how much time you have left you mm-hmm. expect it to go right in the box but they didn't they kind of took a short one changed the angle and then went into the box which i think threw off the defense and then allow the goal. And, you know, like I said, you can't shut off at any point. You got to play the the full time, but I thought it was a clever, uh, a clever set piece from KC to kind of do that. Have it be not the first kick, but the second kick that takes it into the box. Yeah. So it just, just things a little bit more, you know, I'm looking at it here. 45 plus nine. Oh gosh. Yeah. When did those ever score? So, I mean, that, that, that definitely changes the, uh, man, uh, the, the team talk. So I'm sure coach Hawley was, was adjusting that one on the fly. Yeah. And he, he did. I listened to his press conference afterwards and, and said that the team wasn't down at halftime, but they were definitely, um, they, he, he definitely told them they could play better. And I think they came out in the second half and played better. Yeah. Um, Which it didn't, t- I mean, nice segue there. It didn't take too, too long. Um, Nadia Nadine finally got on the score sheet. 55 minute. It was a it was like like a grazing header, but she just she got enough on it where it went in, and that's yeah, it, a goal number one. Yep, it's funny to see how many uh, attempted headers she takes. I, I I guess I hadn't seen enough footage of her, and I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look at her at, at PSG or maybe uh, some of the uh, uh, earlier time in the NWSL. But she does seem to like try to head the ball quite a bit. And it may just be the service that she's getting in the box, but she's she's had I don't know three or four, uh, you know, headed attempts at goal and hit hit one of them. So, uh, you know, she's not you know short or or tall. So it's just kind of interesting for her to to be a, a header of the ball. But it seems like you know that's she's had a lot of opportunities to uh, head the ball down. Yeah. So I'm glad sa- to, uh, if you're a savvy, experienced player and just get in the right positions, then you don't need to be tall, I guess, to make that work out. Yeah, and that's those headed balls straight into the ground are just they're they're murder on the keeper because you uh you have to you know for a shot you you know you've got time to get down but once that ball is headed down it, it can go anywhere it can go straight into the goal it can bounce up and go over you those are just a nightmare for the keepers to to deal with so I'm a big fan of 
you know, if you, if you can get on it, you know, head it straight toward the goal, but if you can't head it down, you mm-hmm. know, cause uh, you know, all kinds of weird things can happen when you head it down. Yeah. So after that goal, I think it was about this time and, and we don't have to get too much down this rabbit hole where I, I commented online about the officiating. Cause I don't, I don't have a specific moment that triggered me, but there were like a lot of little ones throughout the match. I'm like, again, like I try not to, to make that be a, a factor in the match, but it just was exceptionally not great showing. I, I mean, did you feel the same way? I feel like the rest of Twitter did, but Twitter gets worked uh, up easy. It's tough when you're at the match to not get sucked into the fans complaining about the officiating. And I don't know if you caught this, but um, so uh, I think it was the eighth minute. So this was early before there had been too many quote terrible cause but coach holly was apoplectic at the fourth official uh, on a early foul on um on uh, on kaylee real uh what i forget which casey player kind of stuck an arm out and pushed her down in the eighth minute and both he and coach gary got right up in the fourth official's face and i thought they were very lucky to uh not get a card and i don't think the cameras picked that up and if you uh it depends on which side of the field you sit. I don't know if you can see the coaches uh, from there, but I just um, I thought they were disappointed in the officiating really early, and then it kind of only got worse from there. Uh, some soft yellow cards for yeah. racing players, and then just some fouls that went unpunished on the other side. But I I, I don't know. I, you know, it's the, the league. The officiating in the league is not great. Yeah. But uh, you know, I don't think you know none of those decisions ultimately meant a whole lot because they didn't cause you know a a soft yellow card didn't cause a you know a second yellow card to impact the match uh you know they didn't necessarily stop any um stop any flow in play which that's the thing that drives me nuts is is Mm -hmm. the stop and the flow flow of play so while there was some missed calls i'm with you i don't want to complain about the officiating it's it's not great league round but uh, you know, on this match, a minimal impact. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it didn't ultimately change the course, but like as a, as a viewer, I just kind of felt like it was particularly annoying this time around. Again, it usually doesn't get me. I don't know. Maybe I was just, maybe I'm just extra sensitive and worked up this weekend. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I, and again, the crowd doesn't help with those because uh, there was, a, you know, in, in my section, um, since I sit right next to the bench is like, I know the linesman can hear it. I know the lines person can hear, uh, hear the uh, people yelling directly at, you know, at, at her in this match. And I'm sure they're pretty good at, at tuning it out, but you know, for as, as close as, as I sit, I, I know that some of that has to make it onto the field, yeah. but it didn't seem to improve the calls in racing's direction. So, so who yeah. knows? <laughs> I mean, just despite what I feel about the officiating that match or, or any match for that matter, I mean, if, whatever these people are getting paid to officiate these matches probably isn't enough. Like that's gotta be a hard job. Oh yeah. It's uh, I think you tweeted special earlier, kind of person. Yeah. You tweeted earlier. There was like a, a young kid that won an award that was the, uh, you know, he won an officiating award. I think he goes to St. X or something and I forget the oh, yeah. kid's name, but I thought, Oh man, what a completely thankless job. Because I, know, right? I imagine that, uh, probably high school is probably the absolute worst to officiate because you probably have some crazy parents at those games. I cannot oh. imagine what that poor kid has heard. Oh man. Yeah. So people make sure at least if you're going to jeer the refs when they're not calling things your way, show them, show them the proper love that they maybe deserve when they do call something your way. Let's make yeah, it balanced. Maybe at the end of the day. I, I think I it's well, going to go unheard. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know, the, the th- my favorite thing to yell at the officials at the uh, Uoville football games is, hey, guys, you're the only ones out here getting paid. But I guess I can't yell that this year. So I've got to come up with a new taunt for my officials at the at the Uoville games. That's incredible. My uh, my dad actually used to be a football referee. He had some he had some stories about having to get like police escort out of uh, um, <laughs> away from games and stuff. So. Yeah. Crazy world. So, Hey, I'll do it. I'll do a quick shout out. Um, uh, so, so Casey Whitfield's dad, Glenn, I don't know if you know, Glenn, mm. but Glenn has been officiating soccer for years uh, and is uh, kind of a well-known uh, 
soccer official around uh, the high school matches. So I'll give him a shout out. He's been doing that uh, for years. Doesn't do it for the money. Does it for the love of the game. Uh, but you know, those guys are great that are willing to go out there and officiate high school matches. You, lo- you love to see it. They're needed. So thank you for your service, Glenn. We appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, all right, let's get back on track. We'll talk about the match. Um, did you, I mean, were there any outstanding moments that you went to talk, um, talk about before the, uh, the uh, racing's third goal of the day? Um, no, I, uh, let's move on to that goal. Cause I, I don't want this podcast to be four hours. So we'll, we'll, we'll move, uh, <laughs> why don't, why, we'll you move take, forward. why don't you take us through this third goal? What happened in that sequence? I thought it was fun. Well, so, so, you know, the, the thing that happened was I was barely paying attention because I'd already started to kind of think about what I was going to post after the match. So I saw, uh, <laughs> I saw Shayna get on the ball somehow and walk the ball into the net. So I went back and rewatched it. And obviously what happened was uh, it was kind of a, a sloppy throw in, um, you know, that went to the center back. The center back kind of was a little bit lackadaisical getting there. And Shayna just did one of those things that, uh, that you want your center forwards to do is be a poacher, put pressure on the defense. And so she took the ball away from the, from the, the center back, went around the, the, the goalkeeper and walked it right in. Uh, you know, you can't, you know, couldn't have scored an easier goal. But like I said, they all count the same. Um, you know, that's an embarrassing goal for, for Casey, but those kind of things happen. And that's what happens when you have laxes in concentration. And that's why you can't afford to have many of them because, you know, they're really ugly when they turn into, into goals. But no. I was really pleased for, for Shana to get on the score sheet. And um, we'll probably touch on this in a minute, but with, you know, eight, you know, or three matches in eight days, uh, we're going to see some rotation and I would really like to see how the team plays differently with Shana in there from the beginning. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see if we get a chance to see that. Um, but um, I, I, I'm looking forward to her getting a, getting a chance to start. I, and I believe she started one when they did some rotation earlier in the season. If I'm remembering correctly, I was unfortunately traveling for that match and I, I went back and watched it, but I don't have a, clear um memory of it but i think maybe the second match against north carolina maybe she started they did a lot of heavy rotation which i'm hoping maybe they don't do this time hope they do some mixing and matching yeah like blue city does don't do full you know wholesale changes but maybe just do a few people in and out here or there you're right it was the second north carolina one i just looked it up so but to go circling back to the goal itself have you ever played the computer game football manager uh you know i'm not a huge uh fan of, of those games seemed like I signed up to do one once uh got as far as building a a team uh you know which of course was Arsenal and uh and then kind of got bored and then quit you know but uh, I could, but I'm I could, aware of it I could talk to you about it for a long time but the thing I want to draw out about is I've, I played an uncomfortable amount of time on that game and that's the kind of like when that goal happened like that's just the kind of goal I see in that game like you get this highlight and then uh, the computer scores that kind kind of goal against you where you just want to pick up your whole computer and just throw it up the window you're like god <laughs> damn it what is this shit this doesn't happen but i she could have easily kicked it but the fact that she dribbled in it i thought was absolutely hilarious um you know an a plus i mean for the funniest goal of the week i mean like we had we had competition we had, we had two outstanding contenders in louisville so uh but i you know i appreciate it and to i mean to get back in a more serious point like the the squad rotation stuff like I think we're getting to a point where we're really feeling things out and certain players are getting more comfortable with the team. Again, like these connections are are still going to continue to develop over time, but I think some players are, are it's, it's working for them more so than others. Yeah. Like, um, you know, we get to see players like, uh, like Shana play more. There's other players that I'm kind of curious about their situations, why, why they're not getting times. And maybe it comes down to this players like, uh, like Jorian, I always thought she was outstanding off the bench, but, um, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't on the bench at all last week or in Amina, who I feel like we haven't seen in a hot minute. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, you know, now that their, their squad is full, you know, and, and Brooke Hendricks is another one that hasn't yeah. gotten a, a look in a, in a while that yeah, maybe hopefully will hopefully certainly make the, uh, the 18 and um, you know, hopefully we'll make the starting 11, you know, it's going to be interesting to see um, how, uh, how racing plays this women's cup um, because, you know, one of them is, is, you know, is, is also a NWSL league match 
you know, the Chicago one, it kind of double counts. So it's a semifinal for the women's cup, but it's also a league match. So I don't think they're going to do any rotation for that, mm-hmm. but it would be interesting if they're able to um, beat Chicago. And I wonder what happens if they have a draw on that one. You know, if they, do they go to uh, penalties to decide it and it goes into the league as a draw. That'd be interesting to see if that happens. Oh, that's um, interesting. I don't know about that. So, Will, I, that just occurred to me. So, we'll we'll ask Becky Morgan. I'm sure she knows the answer to that. Sure she so, uh, I'll do I'll do that later. But um, but yeah, I could definitely see some rotation. You know, it's funny if, if they end up and uh, end up not making the finals. I think they're going to ro- rotate pretty heavily for that Sunday match. Mm-hmm. If they win, it'll be interesting to see because even though it's a kind of you know a a competition with four teams, it's trophy. Yep. And that's it's trophy you can set in your trophy case for all the fans to see. So if you have the opportunity for it, maybe they go through with they go with their A team or their, you know, B plus team or whatever. Right. And that that's that one. So it'll be really interesting to see the the rotation, uh, you know, of that. I, I don't think we'll see it against Chicago. I think we probably will see some sort of a, a rotation against um, against the uh, the European team on Sunday that they end up matched up with. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I think it'll depend on are you playing for third place or are you playing for a, a trophy will tell us how much rotation goes into that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this team is starting to take a lot of lumps and bumps. You know, uh, Merrick's out injured again. Uh, you know, something happened with uh, Michelle Betis's face or she was all bruised up. I heard something in practice. Uh, we saw uh, Gemma Bonner take that nice cut to the head. And I feel like somebody else might have started bleeding at one point. Nadia, maybe. I don't yeah, know, but- Nadia, she had. Yeah, she had a, a minor minor nosebleed yeah. that I think she was able to get stopped pretty easily. Yeah, just a lot um, of you know, lumps and bumps, though. Yeah, yeah, what you're going to get, you know, Ever. playing the beautiful game. There's a lot of contact. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they're. I mean, this this these gals are tough and stuff. It's just, but yeah, I, I totally hear you. Yeah, it's probably going to be a play by ear almost sort of situation as far as who you're going to play, who you're not. Like, cause you got to you got to play it smart. So we'll be interesting to to see. So. All right, you want to you want to comment on uh, racing's next match? Because it looks like we're playing NJNY Gotham FC. That rolls off the tongue really well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's Gotham in my my parlance. <laughs> the the old Sky Blue FC. You know, they they are a team that I am really intrigued by. Their spot in the um, in the table has been tricky all year because it seems like they've always. Um, had like a, a game in hand just about all season. So when Still teams do. have played six six games, you know, they had played five. So, yeah, so they always have a game in hand. So it was always kind of tough to gauge them. But I, if I remember correctly, are they third or fourth? I don't know if you have the table They're in front third of you right, right now. Yep. They're third. Um, you know, don't give up many goals. Don't score many either, but, you know, don't give up many. So it'll be a interesting challenge. It's a road game. Um, you know, so I, you know, I don't know their possession numbers off the top of my head. I usually do some research into that later. Um, it's, uh, they're kind of, you know, a, a bit of a mystery. Um, like I said, Louisville played them, um, once in the, um, in the opening season cha- or the, the challenge cup, the open, to open the season. That was, a was it a nil nil draw that one? I think, I know it was a draw. I think it was a nil nil draw. Um, I think you're right. And to, to your thing about the possession, they're actually first yeah. in the league with 55.7%. Yeah. So that's interesting for a team to lead the league in possession, but also be so stingy, um, you know, in giving up goals. But that's one way to to do it is just not give the other team the ball. Yeah. Uh, typically, you see uh, teams that lead the league in possession maybe a little bit, let, you know, are a little bit more subject to counterattack. You know, that's kind of what I would, would like to see um, racing uh, – you know, basically form their identity, um, you know, you know, going forward is, you know, a team that, that has possession, but also is, isn't susceptible, susceptible to counterattackers right now. I think I mentioned this in one of my columns it, it is that I think one of the reasons that racing is possession numbers have been better is that they're playing better. But the other reason is I think some of the more experienced teams have said, well, let's let them have the ball a little bit and see if they make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, which has happened a few times. So, um, so that's, um, so, you know, to be like Gotham and have a lot of the ball and not give up many goals. I mean, that's obviously everybody's, you know, ultimate goal to set up your team that way, but for them to be able uh, to a- achieve it uh, to me means they're probably a really solid squad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if they're as good as Portland, um, but, you know, I think they're right up there. Yeah. I mean, 
Coach Holly said this a number of times. There's no no easy matches in the NWSL, so another another fight. And there's always that little extra added incentive with it being his former club. Yeah. So you want to show that he if he if if he could scrape out some points somewhere, why not against them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, you know it, it's interesting for you know to be a uh, you know kind of a New York New Jersey uh, team. I was checking out their um, a couple of things their, their attendance numbers which aren't great frankly and their online presence because i like to do a know your foe column with uh with a media member um that covers them and they don't have a great presence in the media in new york either there's so many That's teams in new york that I, I understand but yeah they get a little bit of coverage here and there on some sites um but yeah it is disappointing because every other uh, every other team in the league has had either an independent website or an SB Nation site uh, that covers them pretty well. But the SB Nation site that covers the uh, the Red Bulls, um, I think, does some coverage of them, but maybe the person that was doing the dedicated coverage isn't uh, doing as much with them anymore. So tough to tell. Yeah. But uh, that's a little bit disappointing, too. Yeah, it's, it's hard being a... The New York team in New Jersey. There's just no good setup there. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, for example, where the Red Bulls arena is located. Like, it's like cliche New Jersey, like just grungy industrial district, like just like just not a great spot. Like, I get it. It was like what they built that thing in what 1996 or something like forever ago. And <laughs> soccer didn't exactly have that same kind of money it does now behind it, but it's just I don't know, tough on them. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard people describe that, you know, pretty much the same way that it's just, you know, what's what you whatever you picture of stereotypical New Jersey, that's kind of where this stadium sits. And yeah, you know, unfortunately. Pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> so but um so we'll see if they can get that done. I guess that is on Sunday at five o'clock. So I'm glad that I'm, I'm glad that they've been able to avoid any sort of scheduling conflict with Louisville City and, and racing. It seems like racing um, in the NWC in general actually just kind of seems to take more of the uh, jump around on the schedules and whatnot and try to avoid some of those like particularly popular time slots like Saturday evening, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, wise move. Yep. So, all right. Do you have any uh, any final thoughts either on racing, Louisville City, anything at all? Uh, no, I've got one thing I didn't talk about, but if I'm invited back for uh, closer to the playoff time for Louisville City, I'll keep it uh, in my chamber for uh, oh, for you're that, coming back. That conversation. Yeah, yeah okay. Zach, Zach well, wasn't here to participate with us. This is you, uh, getting your feet wet. All right, sounds good. Cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, I think that's all we've we've got for you today. Thank you for tuning in. So Louisville City, or excuse me, Louisville beating out Kansas City. We got six points. They got none. Pretty great weekend. I like to see us do that more often. As always, I'm Benton Newman. You can find me on Twitter at PurpleSDF. Zach, where can people find you? Or, Zach, well, Michael. Michael. <laughs> Michael, where can people find you? Goodness. <laughs> uh, you can find me on uh, on Twitter at uh, FloridaLeeFC1. Um, but uh, Benton reposts all my stuff anyway, so just follow Benton. You'll be fine. Yeah, I'll retweet his stuff. If you're not checking out what he's doing, he's doing a great job. Like he's churning out pieces all the time. Like yeah. every day you're doing something. It's excellent. Like I love it. I wish I wish I could churn out stuff more often, but but it's it's hard. So I, I know I know what you're doing and appreciate all the all the coverage and I love the alternative perspectives. We need more content creators. We I think we do pretty good here in Louisville, just holistically, but I'm glad to see people like you popping up. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Oh, I uh, appreciate it. It's been fun for me. And, and I'm not churning something out uh, daily anymore. I, I've kind of cut it back to maybe five times a week. But uh, <laughs> that's five think, times a week. You know, it, <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, still. Yeah. You know, I had a lot to say, you know, before, you know, before I had a voice on, online and then I said it all. And now I'm like struggling to come up with things to talk about. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's that kind of, that kind of it's, it's the difficult second album syndrome. You know, you have your entire life to make your debut album. But, you know, the second one, a little bit tougher. Well, I've enjoyed both albums so far, and I can't wait for the third as well. So thank you for uh, for subbing in for, for Zach. He's being a slacker. He's actually busy with real life stuff, as I will be in the coming weeks. I got some time off, so we'll have to find somebody for my spot. Got to talk to him about that. But all right, man, I got a soccer match to catch. You got life to live something, maybe a piece to write. Who knows? You yeah, got to find out maybe. about the. You got to find out about what's going to happen with that Chicago match. if It's a draw. 
I'm yeah, actually really I'll, I'll curious to, about that now. Yeah, I'll get to the bottom of that. So you find that and you let me know. But everybody, uh, again, thank you for uh, for listening. Please make sure you check out the state of Louisville. They are so kind to host our podcasts and accept this as part of their community. So be sure to check them out. All right. We will see you guys next week, hopefully talking about more wins. Take care. Vamos Marados. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.